today's Bible reading comes from Philippians, so that's 1 Philippians verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word. Father God, we thank you that as a year draws to an end and a new year begins, we praise you that you are unchanging. Father, thank you that you remain gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And Father, we pray that as we come to your unchanging word, that we would hear it rightly, that you would help us to understand what it's saying and help us to know how to live for you in this coming year. And we pray this all to your praise and glory. Amen. So it's a funny time of year, isn't it? Um, I don't know if you um, follow the news at the moment. There's so many articles going on and on about um, the highlights and the lowlights of the year just gone. You know, um, 10 um, books that you must have, should have read in 2018 or you know, 10 songs you must have listened to or all the famous celebrities who've died in 2018. It's that kind of year, time of year. But one news article um, came to my attention during the week about Captain Lou Reed. I don't know if anyone saw this, Captain Lou Reed. While all of us have been eating turkey and mince pies and chocolate, Captain Reed has been on a, a trek, an expedition across the Antarctic and has become the first Briton to go solo on skis across all of Antarctica over the last 56 days. It's incredible um, to read the story how He's traveled 921 miles in minus 30 degrees um, temperatures and 60 mile an hour winds, step by step by step, progressing across all of Antarctica. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, what a, what a thing to have achieved in a, in a year, to be able to say to your mates that you have been the first Briton to cross all of Antarctica on your own. What an amazing achievement to have made. But, but imagine what it's like if you were him, day after day after day, having to step forward and forward one step after another, 56 days without rest, keep on going and going, progressing one step after another on that journey to get to the end goal. What a way to progress. And the truth is that that all of us have goals that we want to reach. Probably few of us will be trying to cross the Antarctic in 2019, but we all have goals that we want to get to and we have to progress step by step by step through whether it's um, at work, a promotion that we want, or in relationships that we want to move a step forward in, or just exams that we want to get through. All of us want to make progress in the year ahead. Actually, spiritually, all of us want to make progress. If we call ourselves Christians, we want to make progress. We, we want 2019 to not be another year where we're half-hearted or lukewarm in our faith, but we want to move forward. 
We don't want to be stuck in the, in the same patterns of sin. We want to be fighting them and putting them to death. We don't want to reach the end of 2019 filled with the, the same guilt and regret that we've had this year. We want to move forward. We want to progress. And it's a good thing as we come to the end of this year that we get to turn to this prayer that Paul prays for the Philippian church in chapter 1 of his letter. Just verses 9 to 11. That's all we're going to look at this evening. Because really, it's a prayer for progress. A prayer for spiritual progress. I mean, it's one of the major themes of the letter of the letter of the Philippians is progress. But this prayer particularly is a prayer for us to pray as we begin the year to help us progress spiritually, that we might move forward in our Christian lives. We're going to simply ask three questions this evening of the of the prayer. Um, we're going to ask, what is the source of spiritual progress? That is, where does it come from? Secondly, what's the content of spiritual progress? What does it look like? And thirdly, what's the outcome of spiritual progress? Where does it lead? So the source of spiritual progress, the content of spiritual progress, and the outcome of spiritual progress. We're going to look through um, this little prayer in verses 9 to 11 of Philippians chapter 1. So let's have a, a read again of what it says. Paul writes, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So number one, the source of spiritual progress, that is, where does it come from? We want to see that it's given by God. Spiritual progress comes from God. I mean, that must be the reason why he prays in verses 9 to 11. I mean, he's asking God for it. Why would he ask God if God was not the one who gives it to him? He's praying to God because God is the one who gives spiritual progress. And it's not just God in the abstract. Notice as you look down in um, verse 10, that you might be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. It's not just God in the abstract, it's the Christian God, Father, Son, and Spirit, that through Jesus Christ, spiritual progress comes. And notice at the end, verse 11, it's all to the glory and praise of God. Because spiritual progress comes from God through Jesus, it results in the praise and glory of God. God gets the praise for it because it's what he's given. It's from God through Jesus, all to his glory and praise. Which is to say, making spiritual progress is not like, it's not like a New Year's resolution. Um, I don't know if anyone knows what um, the top three New Year's resolutions are. Um, This is from a a YouGov poll that I saw earlier in the week. The top three uh, New Year's resolutions that people make. Number one, 59% of people who were asked who were making resolutions said they wanted to exercise more. 54% said they wanted to eat more healthily, and 51% said they wanted to save more money. Now, I don't know if that's actually the biggest changes people want to make in their lives, or whether it's just a kind of guilt thing from after, you know, having sat down for a couple of weeks, eaten loads of food, and just spent so much money on presents that they kind of just want to um, move on from that. But exercise more, eat more healthily, save more money. But in any case, all of these resolutions and New Year's resolutions are things that I do in my strength, so that I get the praise and glory for them. That's what a New Year's resolution is. I mean, let's just uh, imagine for a moment, let's do a thought experiment, and imagine that I am one of the 59% of people who want to exercise more in the coming year. What would I have to do? 
Well, um, I begin probably by setting my alarm very early in the morning, and I would make sure that when it rings, I I get up, and in my own strength, I kind of throw on my my new running gear, and I I get out onto the streets and run for half an hour every morning in my own strength, panting away until I, you know, probably tracking it on one of those apps that can go on social media so you can all see how I'm doing. And I'd kind of uh, get, get get back home and do that four times, maybe five times a week, and as the year goes on and on, you would start to see a new me. I would start to look stronger and fitter and healthier. And as I walk into church on Sunday, some of you guys would be coming up to me and going, wow, you look so different. Isn't, what's going on? What have you changed? And I'd be like, yes, look at me. Look at me. I've run so hard and I've changed. That is, it was something that I would do in my strength so that I got all the praise and the glory for it. And what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter one, this little prayer is that spiritual progress is not like that at all. It is not something that I do. It is something that God gives. That's why he prays. It's not something through my strength, but it's something through Jesus Christ. And it's not to my praise, but ultimately, verse 11, it's to the praise and glory of God. It is something that God does. God is the source of spiritual progress, not me. And actually, I want you to know that that is actually an enormously encouraging thing. It is an enormously encouraging thing because it means that making spiritual progress is not ultimately something that relies on my efforts, but on God's promise. It's something that relies on God's promise. Just flick up to to verses 3 to 6, just so we can see Paul's attitude as he prays this prayer for the Philippian church. Look what he says. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Why is Paul confident in his prayers for the spiritual progress of the church? Is it because of their Bible reading plan that they have decided they are definitely going to do this year? Is it because of their prayer list that they are definitely going to pray through this year? No. What is it? Verse 6 being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He knows that God always finishes what God starts. He always finishes what he starts. And having begun a good work in the church, he is going to carry it on to completion. God will finish what he starts. If you like, God is like the the master sculptor who has gone out and purchased this big, ugly block of stone, And hour by hour, he's chiseling away at this stone. He's just chiseling and chiseling and chiseling. And as you watch, you're not quite sure what's going on, but he keeps on chiseling and chiseling away at this big block of stone, getting rid of all the the ugliness. And and as you watch, slowly this uh, image starts to form in it. You start to see a head and, oh, there's some ears. And he keeps on chiseling and chiseling. And there's, there's, there's a smile on the face and there's a nose. And as it continues, chiseling and chiseling and chiseling away, he finally finishes. And the sculpture sculptor has this beautiful, perfect image. He's finished what he started. And it's like that with God, having purchased his people for himself, with all of our ugliness and imperfection, God has started his work on us. And he started chiseling and chiseling away until the perfect image of Christ is formed in us. A mouth that is slow to open to speak about Christ. A hand that's greedy and unwilling to open in generosity to others. A heart that is cold. A tongue that is quick to complain. All are to be chiseled away. Chiseled away, chiseled away, chiseled away until we are transformed 
into the perfect image of Christ. And God doesn't stop. He makes no mistakes. He doesn't get bored. He doesn't throw us away. He keeps on chiseling and chiseling away until he finishes what he started. Having begun a good work in us, he will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God is slowly transforming us. He, is fi- he will finish what he started. And because God is the one who's doing this, he's the source of spiritual progress. Paul can be confident in his prayers for the Philippian church because it doesn't depend on their efforts. It doesn't depend on our efforts. It's not ultimately something we have to do. Ultimately, the source is God. And so as we approach the start of a new year, and as we're hoping that we can make more progress in our Christian lives this year, I really hope that we're going to do that trusting God's promise. That's the best place to be, trusting God's promise that having begun a good work, he will carry it on to completion. It is good to make plans and prayer lists and resolutions, and we'll think about that a little bit in a moment. But ultimately, the way we want to start is by praying, praying that God would finish what he started in us that he would be working away at us, the source of spiritual progress, so that as we change, it's all to his glory and praise, so that he gets the praise for it. I mean, it's a good thing to ask, isn't it? In amongst all of the the resolutions we've made, have we actually prayed to God? Have we asked him that he would be changing us this year? Because God is the source of spiritual progress. Let's move on to the second, the content of spiritual progress. That is... What does it look like? Let's have a a read through of the prayer again. Verse 9. Paul says, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You'll notice that Paul prays for one thing, one thing at the start. Verse 9 that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. The rest of the prayer is actually a so that, a a consequence of that first prayer. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best. But the, the, the prayer is this one thing, your love, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Now, I don't think it would be surprising to many to hear that making spiritual progress is, is about loving God more and loving other people more. About loving God more and loving other people more. I mean, John would say God himself is love. Jesus would say the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. And even when Paul would write about the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing he'd say, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then other things after that. It shouldn't surprise us that making spiritual progress is about loving God more and loving other people more. In fact, the, the idea when it says your love may abound more and more is like a waterfall. I don't know if anyone's actually been to um, a waterfall, not a, a small rubbish waterfall, but like a massive waterfall, a properly big one. Um, I've, never, I've never seen one like that, but years ago, I remember when I was small, my dad went over to see the Victoria Falls. And it's this absolutely incredible waterfall. I don't know if you've seen photos of it. Kind of 1.7 kilometers wide and 108 meters deep. And water just pours over and over and over and over the edge. It just gushes down. In fact, the, the spray from all the water means that the tourists who stand nearby taking photos actually get drenched by all the spray that comes up from it because it's so massive. And the water just keeps on flowing and flowing and flowing and flowing. Thousands of meters cubed of water per second just over the top. It keeps on coming and coming, gushing over and over. 
And that's Paul's idea when he says he prays that their love might abound more and more. It's like a waterfall of love just keep on coming out of our hearts over and over, flowing and flowing and flowing. A waterfall of love that our love might abound more and more. And it's not surprising that he prays for love, but what might be surprising is what that love comes with. Verse 9, that your love may abound more and more in or with knowledge and depth of insight. A love that goes hand in hand with knowledge. And we might find that surprising because often for us, head and heart, love and knowledge, they're, they're kind of separate things. We, we, we kind of think about one but not the other. But this love, it is not just an emotion that we work up in ourselves. It's not even something that kind of a spiritual thing that takes us to some spiritual plane. It's a love that comes with knowledge. It's controlled and fueled by our knowledge of God. The knowledge of God that's revealed in Jesus Christ and revealed to us in the spirit-breathed words of the Bible. A love that comes with knowledge. I mean, some of us will have sat through loads and loads of um, carol services this year. I think that the first song we sung is the final carol that we're going to sing of this carol season until next year. We've sat through loads of carol services. But I wonder if you've realised what we've been learning about as we've heard from the Bible is the knowledge of God and his love for us, his love for you. A God who has always been perfectly happy in the love of Father, Son and Spirit, who looked down on a world full of unlovely people who every day choose greed and jealousy and hatred and selfishness rather than the path of love. And yet God, who is perfectly happy in himself, looked down on unlovely people and freely chose to love us. A God who so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, taking on human flesh, entering this world as that baby born in the manger in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ walked on this earth, showing us what love is like. Love that is patient and kind, that does not envy or boast, that wasn't proud or dishonoring to others, that wasn't self-seeking or easily angered, that kept no record of wrongs. A love that didn't delight in evil, but rejoiced with the truth. A love that always protected and trusted and hoped and persevered. And ultimately, God demonstrated his love for us. In that even though we were sinners and unlovely, Jesus Christ died in our place, a substitute for our sins taking our punishment so that whoever believes in him doesn't need to perish but has eternal life. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And you find out about that love as you read about it in the Bible, as you have greater knowledge of that love, as you see Jesus more clearly and what he has done for you more clearly. And this increasing knowledge of God fuels and controls the love that we have abounding like a waterfall out of our hearts. As we know it and see it more clearly, it allows the the love to flow out more and more from us. That's the reason why prayerfully and trusting in God as the source of progress, it is a good thing to make a resolution to read our Bibles this year. To sign up to the reading through the New Testament in a year email or whatever plan that you want to do. So that as we have an increasing knowledge of God and his love for us, that might fuel the love in our hearts to come out and flow out and out, abounding more and more in a waterfall of love. Of course, we're we're so quick sometimes to push apart head and heart 
I mean, some, some Christians and churches can want to pride themselves on being the head Christians, the knowledge sort of Christian. You know, the sort who knows their Bible back to front, the, who listens to the sermons in their spare time and has massive thick books that they read for fun. And some Christians and churches want to pride themselves on being kind of heart Christians. Forget all the, the books and the sermons and the doctrine. We just want to love people and we just want to love Jesus. And we're so quick to push apart head and heart. And yet Paul says, no, no, that's not how spiritual progress is made. No, no, your love needs to abound more and more in knowledge. Head and heart are to go together. He, he would pray for the, the spiritual progress of head Christians, that their knowledge of God would produce this overflowing waterfall of love in their hearts. That when he stood next to them in church, they were the ones singing loudest because of all the things they know about God's amazing love that just fuels their love for him. That they would be the ones in small group who are who not only know the right answers, but know how to live them out in a way that loves other people in their group. That they will be the ones who, who knowing so much about God's love and sin and judgment and the return of Christ, would be quick to speak of Jesus to their friends because of all that they know, that that will produce love in their hearts. He would pray for the, the spiritual progress of heart Christians, that their love for God and other people would be fueled by increasing knowledge. That they'll be reading their Bibles more and more so that they would know more things to lovingly praise God for. That they would know clearer, more persuasive ways to explain the gospel to the friends they dearly love and want to come to trust Christ. He would pray for head and heart Christians that all of us would have a love that abounds more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Of course, it's a helpful question to ask at the end to someone you, you trust. Uh, do you veer more to the head or to the heart side? And, and then pray, 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 pray that God would be fueling your love in knowledge. That he'll be fueling your love in knowledge this year. That you'll be growing in both, making spiritual progress. That this waterfall of love might keep on flowing out and out of your hearts. That you might love God and love others more this year as you know God better and better. So there's the, the content of spiritual progress. Finally, let's look at then at the outcome of spiritual progress. Where does it lead? Where does it lead? Let's read the prayer one more time. Verse 9. He prays, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Why does he want a growing love and knowledge? What's the so that? So that you may be able to discern what is best. So that you may be able to discern what is best. Now, uh, Google informs me that on average, the, uh, uh, an adult makes 35,000 decisions every day. 35,000. Now, I don't know how they managed to calculate it. I'm sure it includes all of the uh, most kind of trivial decisions about you know, what we eat for breakfast to the more important decisions about you know, whether we go left or right as we overtake that annoying tourist on the road walking slowly, or you know, even the, the bigger decisions about life that we have to make each, each day, each year. 35,000 decisions a day, which means that on average, we're each going to make 13 million decisions this year coming up, 2019, 13 million decisions. And the truth is that leaving aside the, the trivial ones, we, we don't actually know what lots of those decisions are going to be. They're going to come and they're going to hit us square in the face and we have no idea what's going to happen when they're going to hit us. But we want to make the decisions that are best 
We want to make the decisions that are best, the ones that will be making us most useful for God's kingdom. And so Paul's prayer is that our growing love that comes with knowledge will lead us to discern what's best. Now, he's not talking about decisions between right and wrong. So it's not decisions like, do I rob this bank or do I not? Don't. That's don't rob the bank. It's not, do I punch my annoying brother or do I not? Don't. It's not that sort of right or wrong decision he's thinking about mostly. I mean, most of us don't need discernment for those decisions. We just need courage to do what God says. No, he's talking about decisions that kind of lie on this spectrum between worse and better and best, where we have to choose a course of action, a path to go down. Not when the options are sinful, but they're not all equal. Some are better than others, and we want to be able to discern what's best. For example, uh, how am I going to decide what, what to budget for this year? How will I spend time relaxing? How much time will I spend relaxing? How much Netflix will I watch? Which friendships will I invest in? How shall I approach that tricky conversation that I've got to have with my boss or colleague? Who shall I share a flat with? How will I serve in church? Which job shall I take? Of course, there are sinful options you can take, but leaving aside the the sinful ones, what's best? Which one should I take? How am I going to know the best path to walk? What will determine whether we're able to discern the best, most God-honoring, path that will make us most useful for God's kingdom. Well, Paul would say, is your heart abounding, overflowing with love for God and for other people? I mean, that's the connection in the verse, isn't it? Verse 9, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that, so that you may be able to discern what is best. As our hearts are overflowing with this waterfall of love, we will be able to discern what is best. And when you think about it for a moment, it, it does make sense. I mean, let's just, let's compare two people making a decision. Um, let's call them um, Andrew and Becca. And Andrew and Becca are both deciding what they're going to budget for this coming year. And, and Andrew is going really well as a Christian. And he's not perfect, but his heart is overflowing with love for God and for other people. He's not perfect, but he's, he's consistently living his Christian life. And Becca, again, she is a Christian and her heart does love God, but... At the moment, it's not overflowing. There's, a, there's a, a blockage. She has a love for her own personal comfort, and it's blocking an overflowing love for God. And as Andrew and Becca sit down to, to budget for the year ahead, which one do you think is going to choose the path that's best? Which one do you think is going to choose the path of sacrificial generosity and gospel priorities as they budget? Well, it's obvious. The one who has their heart overflowing with love for God and for others, they're the ones who are going to choose to live as God wants, choosing the best path they can take. See, when our hearts is overflowing with love for God and for others, it helps us discern what is best, to discern what the best path to take is. Of course, this applies to millions and millions of other decisions we have to make. If our love for God and others is dried up, then we won't be able to discern what is best. And so Paul prays that their love would abound more and more so that they can discern what is best. And ultimately, do you see where that leads? Verse 10, that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. His picture is of a healthy, vibrant tree that has got fruit growing on it, pulsating with life. 
a tree that has the life-giving power of Jesus flowing through it so that its branches are full of ripe, juicy fruit of lives that are pure and blameless for the day of Christ, spiritually healthy and productive for him. Those who are able to discern what is best. I don't know if you have ever had that moment where maybe it's someone in your small group or a friend at church and you, you watch them and they, they consistently keep on making decisions that are not best. You watch them and you see the path they're going down is not, it's not what's best. It's not that it's sinful, it's just you can see there's a, there's a better way that God would have for them. And you watch and it's frustrating and you see that their, their love for God is, is dried up. And you want to help. And of course, some of us just want to go and confront and others of us want to just sit back. But actually, Paul would say, pray. Before you do anything else, pray, 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 pray. Pray that their love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Pray because God is the one who's going to give them that sort of heart. Pray. The most basic step you can make to help your friends this year is to pray for them. Pray that God would give them hearts that love him more and more and more. Of course, all of us need that. It's not just for our friends. All of us need that. And so let's be praying for one another that God would give us hearts that are overflowing in love for him and love for others so that we might be able to discern what is best and so we can be this healthy, vibrant tree producing fruit all for the glory of God. So we've seen that the source of spiritual progress, it comes from God, comes from him through Jesus and he gets all the praise for it. And what it looks like is a love and knowledge that is abounding more and more. And the outcome is that we're able to discern what's best, choose the best path to walk down. So as the the year comes to an end and we begin a new year, let's pray this for ourselves. Let's pray this for one another. Let's pray this for our church family that we might keep on growing, making spiritual progress this year. And ultimately, let's do that remembering God's promise that having begun a good work in us, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together for that now. God, our Father, thank you for your promise that having begun a good work in us, you will carry it on to completion. And so however our year has been this year as a Christian, we pray that as the year 2019 begins, that you might make our love abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we might be able to discern what is best. Help us to know the right paths to walk down so that we might be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through him. And because you're the source of all spiritual progress, we pray that this would all be to your praise and glory. Amen.